Hey, welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where we make it easier for you to get out of your comfort zone. This week on the show, I'm chatting with Anastasia Bennett. Anastasia, some of you guys might remember, is the person that put me in touch with Chris Cooper, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. Anastasia does some some mentoring for Two Brain Business, which Chris runs. Now, Anastasia's a mother, a wife, she's an athlete, she's an owner of a successful CrossFit gym here in Wellington in New Zealand, and I've got to know her a bit over the, over the last, probably over the last kind of eight, nine, ten months or so, and it was really cool to have this conversation with her, because one other thing that Anastasia does is, she's an entrepreneur, she is a business owner, and I think all up in her life we've, we've added it up and she has owned kind of approximately 43,000 different businesses at one point or, or another which uh, may be a slight exaggeration, but it was more that we could, than we could count in the show. So today we, we talk through a whole lot of interesting stuff. We, we talk what it was like for her growing up in Russia, what it was like coming out to New Zealand not knowing any English, and how she approached that. Uh, we talk about her approach to, to business, to looking for and taking opportunities. We talk about setting up your, your perfect day. Uh, we talk about building a sense of community as well in the businesses that you do, that you run, that you own, that you work in. And we talk a lot about getting out of your comfort zone as well, which is why you guys show up week in, week out. So I hope you enjoy getting uncomfortable with Anastasia and I today. Anastasia, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. How are you today? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Very good. Thank you for inviting me around to record this conversation. Hopefully that blue light isn't uh, freaking you out too much there, <laughs> blinking at you. No? <laughs> um, Anastasia, I always like to get the ball rolling with just a little bit of background about people. Where you're from, where you grew up, and maybe some, like, were there any big experiences in your youth that have led you down the path that you're on at the moment? So I grew up in Russia. And we moved to New Zealand with my family when I was 19. Um, prior to moving to New Zealand, the big experience that I had growing up that led me to where I am now is, I think, watching my dad working really hard. He is ex-army and he always worked two jobs. And once Russia had opportunity to create businesses, once it's moved from being a communism into democracy he saw that opportunity open up like a little store to sell cigarettes and chocolates and chewing gums and stuff like that and I saw him growing the business into opening up the dairy and growing that into two so I think seeing all of that helping him to count money because back then there was no bank accounts there was just cash everywhere mm. kind of lead me to wanting to do something you know wanted to be you know my own boss and just be creative and set up different businesses and have opportunities and just grab them whenever you can. And I think the big lesson before we moved to New Zealand, there was a place that I was working as a waitress and when I was 17 and they had a job opportunity there. They were hiring a manager for the store and you have like 100 waitresses and 40 barmans that you got to manage. So I've applied for the position, but the trick was that they hired 20 managers for the role and every week they would fire one. Really? So the... It's like Survivor. <laughs> well, kind of. But, you know, they that was the way they would determine, you know, who yeah. would be the best yeah. for the role, right? It's, it's not a bad way to do it, I guess. 
<laughs> you know, back in Russia yeah. <laughs> in 2001 or whatever it was. And they were going to keep four. So I was one of the fours that they've kept. And we were working two managers per shift. It was a shift work like from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. or 7 p.m. until 7 a.m. And that's where I've learned, I guess, the biggest lessons, how you got to work hard, prove, you know, that you're the right for the position and just, yeah, learn. Mm. Talking about your dad and, and him starting uh, starting a business, like, did you see him change when he had the opportunity to do that, like as a as a person? Dad worked so much with we, that we kind of never saw him at home. Mm. Okay, <laughs> yeah. But you got to, like, when, when he was working in the business, you got to kind of hang out with him a little bit more. Yeah, in that regard. yeah, yeah and, okay, and, cool. and the thing that I really like that, you know, he was able to come home for lunch mm. and, you know, there was a little bit more flexibility, like going away as a family yeah. and stuff like that. So that yeah, was yeah. good. Cool. Yeah, no, no I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's easy to see the motivation behind that as well for you. So you came to New Zealand when you were about 19. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Why, why New Zealand? Wasn't my choice. My parents decided that. And dad applied for a job. He did whatever needs to be done to get mm. residency, whatever it is. So they actually got me here by a little trick. <laughs> I had a job in Moscow. I was at university and my parents said, come to New Zealand because you're under, you know, under 20 or 21, whatever it is. Open up a residency, get the stamp in the passport, learn language for three months and then you can go back home. Mm. I was like, okay, well, sounds like a good deal. So I can do three months. When we arrived here, my dad said, well, if you really want to go home, you need to get a job and buy your ticket. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I couldn't speak any English whatsoever. Just high by, like really bad. So it took me a year to save up for my ticket. And when I did buy a ticket, my dad gave me for money for a return ticket. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you went back to... You went back I went to back. Yeah, yeah. I went back. But things have changed. I needed to get some exam exams sorted for university because I just mm. left, you know, like there was nothing finalized. I left yeah. my job, I left everything, my uni. So I just went back to finalize a few things. But things have changed in a year. I already had a job in New Zealand, settled a little bit more and kind of decided to come back. Okay, yeah. And I mean, I, I know that it, you... It took you a little while to kind of get going because English mm. was obviously a barrier for you to start off with. Yes. After a year here and coming back to New Zealand, did you kind of have any plans in mind or you just, you came back and you're like, oh, let's just see how this goes? Not really. Didn't have big plans, but I knew that I don't want to work nine to five. There's something else. There's something else for me out there. You know, like I wasn't born for this. The, you know, I knew I wanted to help people. Just didn't know how. Even back at school, was thinking, oh, what I want to be. I just want to help people. You know, everyone like I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a dentist. I'm going to be whatever. And I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> I just want to help. You, you want? Yeah. I want to change people's lives. And at that point, back. I don't know, when I was a teenager, I thought I want to be like a stylist, you know, mm -hmm. make people feel better, change the way they look. But now I change how they feel, not by the way they look, but by the way, you know, how healthy they are or when I do my mentoring is gives them confidence and tools to, you know, do their job better or to feel better or just to have better lifestyle. Mm. And I, I definitely want to talk more about that with you 
but it's there's been a bit of a pathway from from yes. coming back from from Russia and, and yeah. coming back to back to New Zealand to where you are now and there's been like there's been a couple of things along the way and there's been a lot of hard work that you've gone through as well so you came back and you were washing dishes washing dishes yeah, yeah. <laughs> working working a job what was what was the next step from there waitressing so I did waitressing uh, again real bad English I remember getting confused between rice and fries and okay. constantly bringing wrong order to people. <laughs> In fairness to you, the Kiwi accent, the rice and the fries, sounds pretty similar. Yeah, um, did waitressing for a while, then worked in kebab stores, making kebabs, and moved up in retail, did some sales. After a while working as a salesperson, they asked me to manage store, which was great. That's where I realized that I really like making changes, you know, manage the team and be in leadership position. So I love that. And at some point they asked me to manage two stores. That was great too. And then moved on to managing a factory that was producing pre-made food for kebab stores and stuff like that. Mm. And while I was doing that, I was studying how to do nails and beauty technician stuff whatever so then I started my first business while working for someone doing nails in the evening so instead of people coming to me I would come to their house just something different because back then there was nothing like this how is I mean that there's kind of an offshoot of what you wanted to do is you wanted to help people you thought style was the way yeah. you were going to do it was it a challenge starting your first business do you remember or it just kind of seemed like a natural progression for you I think it felt like natural progression yeah yeah was it a challenge stopping and making the decision actually this isn't no this isn't for me anymore Mm -mm. no I make decisions quickly okay yeah Yeah. your next business that you went into was around the kebab store scene as well yes so um, I saw opportunity there was a new factory opening up opening up in Auckland that was producing halal chicken. So I saw opportunity getting into relationship with them and start supplying restaurants and cafes and kebab shops with halal chicken, which is like a special way of killing birds. Let's cut this out. <laughs> no, no, I think that's I think that's an important point. Let's keep that one. Um, so dead birds. Um, <laughs> That's quite a massive shift from nails to <laughs> yes, killing birds. Yeah, um, yeah, as a, as a business model. <laughs> Again, an easy start for you, or was that something? Because I'm, you're learning new processes as you go. Yeah, no, I think uh, it was exciting. So I went and got a truck that you didn't need to have a license for. You know, like under one ton or whatever mm-hmm. it is, like a freezer truck. <laughs> so I would I made flyers, walked around a cafes and restaurant, talking to them offering them to order from me and stuff like that. So I would collect orders night before, go to the factory at 3 a.m. and that truck, pick the orders up and deliver them myself. The one thing that what was uncomfortable is value myself. So I thought I wasn't, wasn't good enough at that point to be a business owner. So when mm-hmm. I would deliver something in the truck myself, I would say that I'm a driver. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so when people say, oh, can you pass this check to your boss or whatever? I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll pass it on. Yeah. So Interesting. I yeah, completely separated myself and then grew into having two drivers and having another truck later on and yeah. and then selling that business. Why do you think that you didn't kind of value yourself at that point in time? I was really young. Mm. I was early 20s. I didn't think that you you know, how many years ago? Like over 10 years ago. 
back then, you know, your own boss, a business owner wasn't as popular as it is now. Like every second person have some sort of business right now. They mm. do something being creative. But I think back then it was like, what, how old are you? 20? And you got your own business? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I see that. Another thing that I want to ask you around that as well is like you saw this opportunity mm. that popped up. How do you go about thinking about opportunities or would you search out opportunities for yourself or they just kind of no, they seem just, to appear? And yeah, they just like, seem to appear. One. Yeah. And I go, okay, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the process for you or do you kind of go into a little bit more depth around which opportunity to take? Because there's always opportunities popping up to do things. And maybe it's not kind of how you viewed it then, but how you view it now when you look at opportunity. I like trying different things. I like feeling uncomfortable. So if I see opportunity there and it doesn't involve lots of financial commitment from the start, I'll give it a go. Even if it involves a lot of time commitment? I'm a little bit smarter with my time now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So if it involves lots of time commitment, probably not, but... I would probably involve people who already work for me in other business to see if there's any way they could help out with mm. another business opportunity. Okay, yeah. I think saying that I'm better delegating now than what than I was what you before. Were, yeah, yeah. yeah. And these opportunities that you're looking for, do they they need to kind of align with some values for you or kind of specific areas or you're kind of pretty open to anything? Of course they have to align. I, I have to like... Yeah, it needs to be interest to me. So, for example, a couple of years ago, I already had Wolf CrossFit. So I was calculating macronutrients breakdown for myself and I had to cook for myself and trying to break it all up into macros, proteins, carbs and fats and prepare my meals and weigh in. And I thought, why no one does this? You know, like yeah. this is just takes so much time. I just want someone to do it for me. And then I thought, oh, Great business opportunity. (laughs) So I reached out to someone that I knew who was a chef and we had a conversation and decided to set up a business, which was going well. And then at the same time, there was opportunity to buy another CrossFit gym around the corner. So we did that. But then a year later, when I started mentoring for two brand business, I realized how much time everything you know it takes to run three businesses and trying mm. to do mentoring so i had to make choices what i would like to concentrate on and i guess it goes back to my values you know wanting to help people and how i can have the biggest impact and i had to cut a few things out like the meal company sold it because i can't have a big impact through helping others for that so sold that the next one was selling second crossfit gym we had it in partnership with another couple. So, you know, it means the impact that I could have only half, right? So that's how the decision was made just to keep off because I can have a big impact on my community and carry on and developing mentoring because then I can have even huger impact around the world. Mm, cool. Helping others. Very cool. How many businesses have you owned previously or currently own in your life? I don't know. I just need to count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't kind know. Of up, maybe near double there's, digits there's, anyway. 
Oh my god, I don't know. There's quite a few because I remember in my early twenties I did like oh even my teens I did Avon, you know. The, yeah, yeah. And then in my twenties uh, I think I tried to do another company, a cosmetics company like this, like makeup or whatever. And then I, I remember I was selling. Oh, I would buy gloves, you know, from overseas, like boxing gloves, and okay. sell them. Like there's lots of different things that I yeah, did. Yeah. There was a water company that we started with a group of people. In New Zealand, so there's quite a few. Mm. So yeah, definitely not scared of of taking opportunities. I think let's let's kind of get towards what you're into at the moment. So you've talked about about WAF a couple of times. What is WAF and like how did that opportunity come about? Okay, so WAF is WAF CrossFit. That's a training health and fitness facility in Perua. WAF stands for fit. We're on the fitness, like you get for your car. So <laughs> I thought, cool, we'll get we'll name gym that way so it's same for people you know you should have one of fitness mm. should be able to pass that when myself and my husband we moved from auckland 2011 we couldn't find a gym that was just like what we had in auckland so we met at mma gym auckland mma and that's our background we used to do it competitively so when we came to wellington there was nothing like that um there was no gym that who would train every day and had really community that we were after and we didn't have family here so we started oh there's another thing before wolf i was doing boot camps and kickboxing okay. that's another yep. business <laughs> they just keep popping up <laughs> so we started running a few boot camps and uh, kickboxing just to help people and just to yep. get fit and so we could stay fit and stuff like that and then we just grew and outgrow a little place that we were renting and we decided that we needed to go into a bigger place and open up CrossFit gym. We've been doing CrossFit for a while ourselves and we even did it before. We officially did it at CrossFit gym as well through MMA when you do strength and conditioning and stuff like that. So it was just a, it just happened. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just another one just another opportunity that you saw and you and you took um yeah. and i think like with i've been down to to waff a few times and like one of the things that really strikes me about that is is the sense of community and the sense of fun that people have down there with you and probably one thing that i'm that i'm interested in is obviously there's the, the health side of things but what other values do you want to try and cultivate with the people there and and the community there and why do you think that important for them exercise like exercise should be fun you know mm. uh, we we don't want people feel that exercise is a chore or like something that they have to do we want to keep it fun i think the biggest value that they get is i don't know from our gym we really truly care how they feel we want them to move safely so safety is our biggest priority yes we want them you know compete and have fun and challenge themselves but we concentrate on them moving correctly and safely first that's i I think this is the the biggest value that they're going to get out of wolf and yeah we truly like we truly care and we want to help and we help with nutrition and fitness and whatever and we run lots of family events where kids are welcome pets are welcome you know (laughs) everyone's welcome it's really family orientated gym yeah and i think that's kind of it's that's one of the cool things here as well as like that some of the times that i've been down there's been just kids on the rowing <laughs> machines uh, <laughs> sweating up a storm having fun while mum and dad are uh, are exercising as well which is which is really cool and what are some of the big changes that you see in some of the community members over time 
working with them. We quite often see people come in with result, uh, with um, goal that they want to lose weight, right? Mm. Most of the people come in and go, I want to lose weight. I don't like how I feel. I don't like how my clothes fitting in. And then over time, it changes. It changes from I want to lose weight because I don't like the way I feel to I'm happy with who I am. You know, I'm strong. I'm fit. You know, I can do things that I thought I never able to do so that's the biggest change that they get you know like perspective of who they are and it's not about image anymore it's about what they can do and how they feel Mm. yeah i think that's that's one of the big things that fitness gives people and unfortunately we live in a society at the moment that makes it hard for us to be active and to be fit that it's you have to almost actively go and seek it out to, to go and do it. Yeah, whether that's at a, at a gym or whether that's kind of going out and doing doing your own stuff. Like the environment is set up to for us to sit at a desk all day and then jump in the car and mm. drive home and then sit on the couch. And unfortunately, our, our cities aren't designed to kind of promote that much physical activity. Some are, some are definitely better than others. And I think a lot of people that kind of get caught in that cycle forget or kind of lose a bit of sense of themselves because they're not active. And I mean, the human body is designed to move. It's designed to run and jump and lift and climb and do a whole lot of other weird and wonderful things. And you lose a lot of confidence if you lose your physical ability as well. So, I mean, you, you, you definitely see that with, with the changes that people make when they, when they get moving, when they, when they get active again. There are gyms and and CrossFit gyms that I think probably one of the best words to describe them would be intense. I'm sure you know the ones that I that I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, and <laughs> not to say that there, aren't, that there isn't kind of parts of intensity with with WAF, but why did you want to kind of cultivate WAF the way it is, as opposed to something that is a little bit more intense, full on competitive. Because I mean you you we're not yeah. From an MMA background yeah. though, there'll be elements of that there. Yes, definitely. But I don't know. When we first opened up, I think, yeah, that was all about being intense. But as we grew, we realized that there needs to be a place where people feel comfortable and confident to start moving and start changing their lives and start new journey. And I know how uncomfortable especially females or some males even feel going mm. to a normal gym and there's, you know, everyone's going hard out, their face is red and they're trying to lift heavy weight and you're standing there in the middle of the room not knowing what to do, where to start. And, you know, no one likes to be humiliated, you know, mm. like people want to feel good. And that's why we've changed what WOF is all about. You know, we just want people to feel good and have fun and it's like their second home i want them to have the best hour of their day at the gym where they don't have to worry about the problems yeah yeah and i think it relates back to comfort zones really well in the fact that like a lot of those a lot of those other gyms that are intense people wearing kind of the latest exercise gear and sort of standing and flexing in front of the mirrors (laughs) more than they're actually doing anything are really intimidating and they're often really overwhelming for people so yeah. that, that the stuff that you do is yeah it's uncomfortable and it stretches people mm. and it pushes them to get better but rather than kind of pushing them to the sense that sense of overwhelm it, it it's more of a stretch saying hey i need you to step out of your comfort yeah. zone a bit to first off come down here and then actually just 
kind of take the take the next steps rather than saying I need to you to go from where you are here mm. to a thousand miles over that way. Yeah. All in one go. Which is a reason that a lot of people a lot of people stop. One other thing that I want to have a talk with you about as well, and it's I didn't prep you for this, but I'm sure that you I'm sure, I'm sure that you'll be good with it. Is um the concept of a perfect day. Okay. Yeah. Because I know that's something that you kind of work towards and it's something yeah. that you sort of something that drives you. Can yeah. you like d- describe that concept for us and if you if you want to give an example of your perfect day and what that yeah. would look work like? So a perfect day is something that you know like you got to think about you wake up in the morning what do you do like what do you do for lunch what do you do for afternoon like how like what's how's your day look like pretty much so I guess for most people, when you first start even thinking about your perfect day, you're so far off from it and Mm. it's something to work towards. But it's like, you know, when you set up vision and mission for your business, that's what you do. But, you know, perfect day. It's like a vision and mission for yourself. So when you make decisions, should I start this business? Should I get that job? Should I buy that house? Should I buy that car? Should I move to another city? Is it going to get you closer to your perfect day or further away from it? So it's kind of something that helps you to make decisions towards your perfect day. Is it going to help you or not? So I'm happy to say that I'm pretty much living my perfect day and I have been living my perfect day for a while. I'm in charge of my schedule. I decide when I do, you know, wolf stuff. When I do personal training, I still do some personal training when I train do, am I going to go for a run am I just going to go to the gym I've started yoga you know like I'm in charge of my day I'm not negotiable when I spend time with my daughter though so yeah. I get up in the morning I get her ready for your kindy I take her to kindy then I come home and then I start my work I might go to the gym I might go to WOF and work from WOF office I might work from home office you know like I decide how that day is going to look like then I pick her up at five. So from five until time she goes to bed, it's her time again. So it's not negotiable. And then from when she goes to bed, then it's time with my husband. So, and weekends again with my daughter. So I think I'm living my perfect day. Because, and I can say it's perfect day because I'm fully in charge, fully in charge of my day. And I know what's happening. Mm. And with figuring out your perfect day, like has that evolved over time what that looks like Like, yes yeah is it much different now to what it was when you first started thinking about it it's very similar i remember when we started our business mentoring with chris cooper from two brain business he asked me what's your perfect day and i just sat there look at my husband i thought what is he talking about (laughs) what is perfect day are you crazy you know get up go to work come home (laughs) how else does perfect day look like and it was different because we didn't have our daughter then but I remember saying oh I think my perfect day I just want to you know get my well I was pregnant get up get my daughter ready take her to kindy or whatever way I take her or <laughs> go to work come home and you know but it's changed yeah definitely changed over mm. time yeah mm. do you kind of revisit what your perfect day looks like on a regular basis or it just you, you kind of put bits in and take bits out on the fly Um, I do revisit. I do goal settings for myself. So I see 10 year goals, five year goals and one year goal. So one year and every time you set, let's say one year goal, you're going to consider, okay, is it going to get me to five years? Is it going to get me to 10 years? So it's like a stepping stone. So your perfect day 
will change based on where you're at in that stage. Are you at one year stage, five year stage, or like 10 year stage? Does that make sense? Mm, So your perfect day in 10 years will be a bit different to your perfect day now. Yeah. Yeah. Because you constantly need to need to challenge yourself. You need to be uncomfortable. You need to, you know, um, aim for something bigger, for something newer, so you can learn and develop. And otherwise, you're gonna you're gonna be just living your life. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think you you need to have that stuff there in the distance that excites you and pushes you as well. As mm. that if you don't have that, then you just kind of drift along and yeah. roll along. And yeah, definitely. All of a sudden, you look up and it's been five years, and you're just in the same position, yep. if not maybe a bit further back than when you when you started. So for your goal setting, you you start with the ten year goals and then work your way back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Definitely. And your ten year goals need to be scary. Mm-hmm. If your ten year goal doesn't scare you, doesn't make you feel uncomfortable, they're not big enough. Yeah. They need to be so big that you makes you feel uncomfortable thinking about it. But they need yeah. to be kind of realistic, but not necessary. Yeah. You know, like. I went to San Francisco a couple of months ago and I, I met up with a group of people. Um, they're called Tinker Group from mm-hmm. Two Brand Business. And that's what we were doing. We're setting up goals. And when I was first setting up mine and then listening to other people's goals, I was like, oh my God, I'm not dreaming big enough. They all have such a massive, scary goals. And that's what you need to have. Mm. You know, this is what. Yeah. How do you know if a goal is big enough? Or scary enough for you. Do you feel uncomfortable? Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if cool. you feel like, oh yeah, that's pretty good. I can do it. <laughs> yeah, then yeah, no. Like, no, you need to make that bigger. All right, cool. I like, I like that concept. You're doing some mentoring as well for, for Two Brain. And yes. regular listeners of the podcast will have heard Chris Cooper a couple of, couple of episodes ago. How was kind of stepping into the mentor role for you? Was that an uncomfortable experience? Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Not that it's uncomfortable, like just uncomfortable. It's just you want to help that much that you're so nervous that you won't be able to or that mm. you might say something that's not going to be helpful. You try not to get emotional about things as well because you get really, really involved with your clients that you you feel like you really you really want to help them. So that was most kind of, I guess, uncomfortable, you know, because... Yeah, I mean, yeah. How, do you, how do you kind of distance yourself a little bit from that? Because I imagine it's similar when you're training someone as well, is that you're really invested in mm-hmm. them and what they're doing. And sometimes they just don't put in the work or kind of don't go in the direction that you may think is best or have suggested to them. And that's your job as a mentor, make sure that they do homework, that they action, mm. you know, like your job is to encourage them and explain to them why they should be doing this, show them possibilities and just explain that, you know, if you do what you ask them to do, things will change. The reason people need to have mentors is because they need to grow and they need to have also someone else's perspective on things who don't have emotional connection to their business. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I think like the more that I kind of talk to people that are mentors for me, the more maybe open to possibility I am um, and open to opportunity. And as well as obviously the practical how-to stuff is super valuable at times and saves you so much time. How long have you been mentoring for now? Just over a year. Just over a year. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Have you noticed any changes in yourself over that time? I'm a better business owner. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I learned so much through mentoring. It's really interesting. I was actually talking to someone about it. Sometimes I mentor and I help them 
to solve a problem. And then I'm sitting there and thinking, oh my God, this is such a great idea. Mm. Why didn't I do it for my business? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it helped me to be a better leader, for sure. I think my personal leadership skills improved and I can see the bigger growth in my personal development. Very cool. Anastasia, I've got some questions that I ask everyone towards the end of our conversation. The first one is, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did or one of the last uncomfortable things that you did and why was that uncomfortable for you? The last one I did was, I did public speaking in Chicago in June this year, 2018. Mm -hmm. That was very uncomfortable. (laughs) I've never done public speaking in a big group of people in the front of, you know, massive group. Especially, I I was talking as a a mentor about retention and the gyms and my experiences and stuff like that. So some of the gyms that were there or some of the businesses that were there had their business for way longer than I did. Mm. And I think knowing that, wanting to make sure that it's helpful and, yeah, that I can bring some value to them at that speech, that was really uncomfortable. I was stressing out. I practiced my speech a million times with my friends and I started going to Toastmasters and, yeah, it was... Did they turn that into a podcast as well? Yes, they yeah, did. Yeah, I listened to that. It was good. It was good. You were, you were good. Obviously, I couldn't see you there, but the, the audio from it was very good. What's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do? And why is that uncomfortable for you? So I'm doing another speech next year in Chicago for Two Brain Business Summit again. And I've proposed to talk about motivation and leadership as mm. my speech. It's going to be uncomfortable because this is the big challenge that I've been working on myself. I'll always try to become a better leader. I have no issues with motivation, but being a good leader, that's something that I'm constantly learning. Hmm. And I think how to motivate your team, how to motivate your clients, that's quite a big thing for me as well. So as much as I think it's a great idea for the speech, I'm actually super, super nervous and uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. So that's going to be my um, next uncomfortable thing that I'm going to be doing. Cool. That's exciting. And I think like with, with leadership, I don't think you ever stop learning about no. it. Yeah. It's something that it's a constant evolution and, and basically everyone can teach you something about leadership, whether that's yeah, kind of CEOs or whether that's actually one of your staff members as well as uh, they'll, they'll just put things into a different light and different perspective. So I'm sure that you will have a lot of very interesting content and inspiring content for that. What other strategies do you use to approach uncomfortable situations? I just go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. That's always been my thing that if something comes up like challenging or uncomfortable, I just go for it. Yes, I kind of evaluate things to go, okay, how, you know, if it's a dangerous thing or if it has a big risk or whatever, if it feels like nothing serious, you know, like what outcome is is going to be like if there's nothing bad that could happen in the worst case scenario mm. and it's just me who's feeling uncomfortable because it's something that I'm not used to I'll go for it but if I go and go oh I'm feeling uncomfortable and I could lose lots of money or someone's going to get hurt or someone you know it's dangerous then yeah I won't do it but mm. it's just being sensible go is it just me who's feeling uncomfortable because it's something that I'm not used to then I'm going to go for it yeah cool and yeah I think that's a that's a good sort of differentiator with that one 
Anastasia, I've got two more quick questions for you, but I just want to, again, say thank you so much for taking the time to, to have a conversation with me, but also thank you for all the work that you put in to helping people and to, to changing people's lives. I think there's there's a lot of people that you, that you touch at the moment and whose lives you change, and I think there's going to be a lot of people, a lot more people in the future that you, that you do that to as well. So Thank you for awesome. giving me an opportunity to speak to a bigger audience. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. First question for you is probably quite easy. If people are interested in the stuff that you do, how can they find out more? How can they support you? How can they get you to help them? Okay. Well, if it's something to do with fitness or health <laughs> or nutrition, then um, they just can jump on our website, which is www.crossfit.co.nz and they book No Sweat Intro, which is just a just a chat like we're not gonna work out we're not gonna i'm not gonna put you through the pain nothing like that <laughs> just come in have a look around we'll talk about your goals and just see if we're good fit for you you know is it something that you're looking for we're not gonna try to sell anything to you and convince you to sign up if it doesn't feel right it doesn't feel right there's many other options around but we want to make sure that we can help you that's our main priority and that's our goal if it's to do with business mentoring <laughs> then if it's a gym then it's a twobrainbusiness.com if it's any other business and we do not gym business mentoring as well then it's just twobrain.com cool very cool a final question for you do you have a challenge to leave us with this week just for the week it could be slightly longer than the week but <laughs> the next podcast guest will also give us a challenge i guess because i'm all about fitness and mm-hmm. health and nutrition right so i would like to give you a little challenge to cut something out before christmas out of your food like it could be sugar it could be alcohol or could be bread or dairy something one that you know you can sustain for the next six weeks and just see how you feel and try to write something down and try to record if you know if you're feeling less bloated if you feel not as emotional or like for females like hormones it could you know play a big Mm. role and just try to see how that affects your body because everything we eat does make you know different effects on our body and some people have some sort of allergies that they might not know about or might not agree with their stomach or whatever it is so by cutting one thing at a time could show you what difference could make to your body performance or how you feel about yourself yeah i like that challenge Anastasia, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me. There you have it, team. I hope you enjoyed that chat today, and I hope you got a lot out of it. I want to say a couple of quick thank yous. Thank you, Jailan, for the editing, mate. Always much appreciated. Thank you guys for spending the time to sit down and have a listen to Anastasia and I today. Thank you to my brother, Jeremy Desmond, for the amazing theme music. And what I've been talking about over the over the last month or so is creating an online community, the uncomfortable community, where we train to get better at getting outside of our comfort zones. So that involves regular physical challenges, regular mental and emotional challenges, as well as live training with me uh, once a month. But it also involves access to a community of like-minded individuals who will, like a great CrossFit gym, will support you when the going gets tough. They'll lift you up when you need to be lifted up. They'll say, cut the shit when you need to cut the shit. And they'll 
tell you bad jokes when you need to hear bad jokes as well. So this is going to be launching in early in the new year. So if it's something that sounds like you might be interested in it, go over into your details. It's uncomfortablecommunity.com, uncomfortablecommunity.com. And I'll make sure that we hook you up with a couple of free months membership when we kick things off for all of those people that sign up this year. Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with Anastasia and I today.